Hey everybody, welcome to Therapy for Humans, the podcast where if you're not careful, you might just pick up some tips on how to survive as a more or less psychologically intact human in the modern world. My name is Rowan, and I'll be your host. Welcome back everybody, Therapy for Humans, episode 17. Glad you could join me. So I've been thinking lately about what makes a good relationship. Why do some last and others don't? I've been with my wife for 30 years. We've had our ups and downs. We almost called it quits at least twice. I've been working with other couples for years and I still get stumped around why one partnership can pull out of a nosedive and others can't. One of the most common threads I see is generosity. And I'm not talking about the cost of a gift or any type of material thing at all, really. I'm talking about emotional generosity. And I feel like there maybe is a couple of different examples of this. Um, One is when you're willing to not engage around something because you know it's going to lead to a fight. And even though you believe you're right or you believe that you've been wronged in some small way, just leaving it alone because the whole of the relationship is bigger and better than this one thing at that one moment. Another kind of emotional generosity, and maybe this is really at the heart of the thing, is a general attitude of caring about what your partner's experience is. I don't mean showing them a good time on a special occasion. I mean every day. How do they experience you and this relationship that you are in? If you're too dug into your own experience and making sure you get what you want, regardless of how that lands on your partner, then your relationship will probably not make it. Now, most of us would likely hear this and think, of course I don't like that. I don't act like that. What an asshole way to be. But if you stop and really consider this, you might find that you operate like this more than you might think. A couple of months ago, Anna and I were doing the weekend chores. The sheets have been washed, and we ended up making the bed together. Usually one or the other of us will do this, but for whatever reason, we ended up doing this together on this day. And I found myself having all these sweet thoughts about her bed and how much I love getting in there with her at the end of a long day. And I also realized that I was making sure that the sheets were the way I wanted them, making sure that I had enough sheet on my side, making sure the top sheet was at the height I prefer, I can be kind of high maintenance if you can't figure that out. So as we were finishing up, I I looked at her and I realized she was having kind of the same experience going on on her end. And I said something like, huh, like who knew that making the bed with your partner is an act of devotion to the relationship as well as an opportunity to make sure your own fucking needs are getting met. We all have things in our life that we want our way. And they're important enough that we don't really want to compromise on them. And sometimes this isn't a big deal and sometimes it is. It really just depends on what that thing is and how much having it your way impacts your partner. When you both like a thing the same way, then there's no problem. When you have a thing that you need to have your way and your partner doesn't care one way or another, then there's no problem. When the thing that's really important to you both and you have very different ideas of how that should look, then there's a problem. So what do we do next? This is where we really have to watch our internal dialogue. Do you feel like your partner's opinion and needs around this thing are absolutely equal to yours? Or do you justify your own needs by telling yourself that the way you want the thing to look is really the way it should or needs to be? Maybe you tell yourself that they don't really care that much or that they're making an issue out of it just to cause a fight. Maybe you tell yourself that the way you want things is actually the proper way, the way it was always meant to be, and so your partner's way is fundamentally flawed. You have this sort of internal voice that says it's just wrong the way they want it. Like, ask anybody. It's not about preference. It's just about the right way and the wrong way. There are a million different ways that we can justify getting our own way. And believe me, I am a master at this, and my wife is a very patient woman. But what happens when we ask the question, when we're brave enough to upset the balance, and maybe the result of that is that we aren't getting all the things we're currently getting? 
What happens when we sit down with our partner and say, hey, are there things that don't work for you that you're just letting slide? And are any of those things a big deal for you? What you're really saying to your sweetie here is, hey, I want your experience in this life and specifically this life with me to feel good, to feel fulfilling. I want you to be more grateful for it than anything else in your life. And I want to know if there's anything standing in the way of that, even if that means that I don't get everything I want. Now, this doesn't mean that there aren't things that you really don't want to compromise on and things that make a massive difference to you. But ideally, you're putting it all out there and being honest with each other about which of those things are truly crucial to you and what's not. Most of the time, you'll find that there's a lot of room for negotiation. Most of the time, you both can get what's most important to both of you. Okay, so we had an email come in this week, which always makes me happy. Uh, This person says, Hi, Rowan. I not only think you are so cool, but I really resonate with all of your advice and wisdom you share. Don't stop. That's an awesome way to start your email. Thank you. Uh, so they say, I just turned 40 and I don't know if that's part of it, but I am so ready to find my flow in life and not worry about the circumstances that have crippled my emotional growth. I have this thing with my dad that I'd love to just move on from. In certain situations, I've craved for him having my back or standing up for me, essentially. This has never happened, but I long for his approval and words of affirmation. There's a certain lack of communication that breaks me every time. He will reach out, very out of the blue, and I get excited thinking there's a connection, but when I respond, I never hear back from him. This happens over and over and over again in my life since I was a child. I grew up with my mom and stepfather in the military, so we were usually not very close in distance. I also have this deep-seated anger towards his wife. My dad has never stood up for me, just her. It's painful, and she is one of the most difficult people to be around because I don't know if I should say something or never say anything at all. Just being myself seems to haunt me. The dance with being fake or real is confusing with them. I have gone back and forth for 15 years if I should write him a letter on how I really feel. A part of me wants to speak my truth, but the other part is afraid of it haunting me later, especially from his wife. My question is, is it better off in the end to speak my truth and write him a letter expressing my feelings about how I feel, or just trying to forgive and forget and move on and continue to be fake with them? The fear I have is the same as it always is. No matter what I do, I feel like I am the crazy one or the one at fault in their eyes. But again, speaking my truth, either way, I'm out to get something from them. What is the best way towards growth and healing? Okay, so again, thanks so much for your email. Um, You know, the hard thing about answering questions like this is that I get this little snapshot. And I guess and I assume a hell of a lot about the nuances of relationships involved. And I imagine that sometimes, maybe even a lot of the time, I'm wildly off base. Whatever the fuck, that's what we do here, right? So given that, let's just, let's just jump in. And if I do answer one of your emails or one of your voicemails and I'm like completely misreading it, please just like get in, back in touch with me so that we can clean that up. Um, okay, so you say that you crave your dad to have your back. You want his support. You want his approval. You want him to be your champion, to love you unconditionally and always be the one who urges you on to be your best true self. That's kind of the archetype of the father figure, or at least more, I should say, like the modern day Disney version of the father figure. The old version was more like a wrathful god who would fuck you up if you stepped out of line. But I can't tell you the number of clients who say very similar things to what you're saying. Dad isn't there for them the way they want him to be. In most cases, he never has been. And you're left craving this intangible thing, this approval and support that never comes. And the fallout of that can look different for each person but often it involves a destroyed self-esteem, lots of second-guessing about life choices, 
poor choices in romantic partners, on and on and on and on. Uh, Dan Savage in his Savage Love podcast, uh, which I've referenced before, talks about biological family versus logical family. Um, others call our dear ones in our life that we are not biologically connected to our chosen family. Uh, whatever you call them, you know, the reality is that in order for someone to truly be our champion, for them to support us in ways that really resonate and allow us to unfold into who we truly are, those people need three crucial things. One, they need to know us to our core. Two, they need to want to get there because that depth of knowing takes time. And three, they need to resonate with who we are. Once they get in there and have a look, they need to like what they see. That doesn't always happen with our biological family members, and especially, it seems, with parents. So that leaves us in this limbo land that you mentioned where we crave their support of who we truly are, but we also aren't showing them all of who we are because it doesn't feel safe because we fear rejection or judgment from them. We don't reach out and truly ask for what we want from them because the result of that could be that we will end up with less from them than we even have now. So I would be curious about how often you see your dad. How often do you communicate on the phone? You said that sometimes he'll reach out to you out of the blue and then it sounds like he pulls back when you respond. I'm generally an advocate for more rather than less communication. That having been said, you need to look at who you know your dad to be, how he relates to other people that he's close to in his life. If he is able to be supportive for them in ways that you would like to receive from him, then at least you know he's capable of that behavior. You mention his wife and that he stands up for her, but not for you. So maybe he does have that emotional capacity for the kind of support you want. Whether or not he will ever turn that towards you the way you want is another thing entirely. So you specifically asked if you should write a letter. You said that you've been back and forth about it for 15 years. That's a long time. So maybe it is time to pull the trigger on that, but with a couple of cautionary notes. It's crucial that if you are going to ask for a major shift in the way someone is relating to you, that you are ready to hear their reasons around why they are behaving towards you the way they are right now. These things may not be easy to hear. They may be hurtful. They may be wildly off base from how you perceive yourself or even from the reality of who you are. This comes back to the need to have people in our lives who we look to for support and meaningful feedback who really know us. Your dad has this concept of you, who you are and how you move through the world. And if you haven't spent much time around him in the last 20 years or so, it's likely that he has no fucking clue about who you are. He's operating off of assumptions that were put in place when you were a child he may be uninterested in or incapable of shifting those perceptions. You do get to call him out on this if the response you get seems wildly off-base, but that doesn't mean that you'll actually get anywhere. I would urge you to really sit with what you think the outcome might be from your letter and weigh the likelihood of getting what you are looking for. And aside from writing the letter or not, I'm struck by the overall message in your letter, which is that you're not showing up authentically in your life. And I can't tell if that's just when you're around your dad or if it's in general. And I wonder if there are other people in your family or close to you that are not part of your bio family who, can, who you can go to, who you can ask for feedback. Bust yourself on not showing up authentically all the time. Ask them if they can tell when you're putting up a front and which, they, which you they like better. Here's the scary but super important part. Ask them what parts of you are challenging for them. Ask them to be kind but honest. 
Ask more than one person and then see what they both have in common in terms of their feedback. That gives you a much more accurate idea because when you ask for feedback from someone else, you're going to get their version of you. That doesn't mean that that's actually the version, you know? And so if you can put versions together and then you can kind of distill out from that what they all have in common, you're going to get a much more accurate picture. At the end of the day, it isn't about your dad. It's about you showing up fully in all of your messy glory, ideally without giving a fuck about the judgment of those who don't know you, including your dad. You should be giving a fuck, or maybe several fucks, about how you're coming across to those who do know you fully, if indeed anyone even does. We all have different masks or hats or costumes in general that we wear in different situations, and that's okay to an extent. It's when we can't sort out who the real us is that the trouble starts. Some minor editing of how we show up around certain people can keep the peace, but those people who you do that around are not really your people. And if you notice that you do that with pretty much everybody, then it's time to really think about how to make those shifts. You said you want to find your flow. You said you've always longed for the approval of your father and have never received it. And you said you have a deep-seated anger towards his wife. You said that you have this pattern of getting your hopes up around this connection with your dad, and then you're always disappointed. It sounds like you need to go on a search and rescue mission to find you. It sounds like she's been hiding away for way too long. You're not angry at your stepmom. You're jealous of her. You're angry at your dad, and it sounds like you have a right to be. And okay, maybe you're angry at stepmom for other reasons, but stop being angry at her for the way dad acts because that's not her stuff. It's not your stepmother's fault that your father is supporting her and not you. Unless you think that she's completely manipulated all that, and then that's an entirely another situation. <laughs> but my guess is that it's safer for you to be pissed at her than it is for you to be pissed at him. Stop this cycle of this little girl standing at the door full of hope that her daddy will finally see her there for the beautiful and capable human that she is, only to get the door slammed in her face over and over and over again. That shit hurts every time. Do some work on yourself. Find that authentic place. Find people who see and love that woman. Then ask your dad straight out if he can be part of that world or not. And if he doesn't give you a definitive and enthusiastic yes, then you know that he can't be trusted with the gift of who you are. You can still give him the consolation prize of the fake you that doesn't make waves, but you have to guard your heart around that. You have to stop getting your hopes up and recognize that this one man should not hold so much power over you that you shrink away from the opportunity to step into your own full, gorgeous potential. I want you to find those little gems of yourself that you know are all you. They're not filtered. They're not minimized for someone else's comfort. They're not stuffed away for fear of getting hurt. Find them. Dig them up. Bring them out and play with them. Fall in love with yourself. And the others in your life who are important to you will follow that lead. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Therapy for Humans. If you'd like to get your email to me to get some advice on the air, you can email me at rowan at therapyforhumanspodcast.com. You can leave a voicemail at 1-844-387-2646. That's 1-844-Durango. If you'd like to see me live and in person for therapy, you can get in touch with me at DurangoPsychotherapy.com. You can even shoot me a text at 970-903-3893. So until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other.